Hey everyone, welcome to the Authentic Dad Podcast. David Warren here. Thanks for listening. Today I have a great conversation with Fausta Lucini. And Fausta is a former therapist, now a coach, and she coaches people on all sorts of things, but particularly secondary trauma and burnout and supports the helping professionals of the world because they need support too. And I hope you stick around for it. It's really good, really insightful conversation. Thanks again, Fausta. And if you want to reach out to me, F-U-R-T-H-U-R.coach, further.coach is my website. Maybe you have feedback. Perhaps you want to be a guest. Know somebody who wants to be a guest. I'd appreciate it. Or I do a free 30-minute discovery call for those who are seeking coaching. I am a certified coach. I coach fathers and non-fathers. And what we're doing here is trying to inspire authenticity, living your truth, and just to kind of level up and do what you've always wanted to do in your life. And um, hopefully this uh, podcast is some useful information for you. I'm also on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. And I'd love to hear from you. Take care. All right, I'm here with Fausta Lucini. She has a MA and is also a whole person certified coach. She's trauma-sensitive consultant and coach, bringing over 20 years experience as a licensed therapist to her work. And she works primarily with people who experience lots of trauma in childhood or ACES, which is, I guess, adverse childhood events. Um, She learned ways to help her clients work through lingering impact of trauma on their lives and her clients helped her understand their pathways to healing. It took a panic attack in the park for Fausta, she'd love to hear about that, to become aware of the impact her work had on her. And it led her on a journey to find ways to manage secondhand trauma, which I'm interested in learning about. And the skills and tools she discovered allowed her to work with clients without losing herself and her joy. And now she coaches compassionate professionals, helping them work through the same challenges that she faced She's living in Savannah, Georgia um, with her partner, Dennis, and her daughter and her two grandchildren. Fausta, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, David. I'm glad to be here. I really appreciate it. Um, The reason I wanted you to come on is because I know one of the things that you specialize in or coach people in is burnout, which is, you know, a big topic, particularly for, yeah, especially for me having children having a law practice trying to trying to be a coach trying to be in a marriage I'm, I'm sure i'm not alone i want to hear all about what you do to help people with burnout but let's let's start with your story how did you land where you are today Just give, yeah. I, I want to hear about that thing in the park because that sounds like a big, <laughs> a big deal right so yeah um i started as a therapist working in community mental health and at the time that i was still fairly new Um, violence in the community around me began to increase. I began to do a lot of work with people who had experienced um, childhood sexual abuse. And so trauma was all around me, right? And I didn't really think about that a whole lot Mm -hmm. until one day I went to the park and I was just, you know, I was going for a walk. That was one of my ways that I sort of took care of myself because I had begun to think about that. And I saw these three teenagers in the park, Mm -hmm. two boys and a girl. They had a dog with them. Looked like they were having a good time. And I was suddenly overwhelmed with anxiety and Mm -hmm. this sense 
that something terrible was going to happen. And really, I didn't know if they were going to do something terrible or if something was going to happen to them. But I had this urge to run over to them and tell them to go home and stay safe. Sort of out of nowhere. Yeah. So fortunately, I didn't do that. Okay. I restrained myself. But I left the park because I was just shaken. I couldn't quite. I was thinking, what what on earth is wrong with me? Why am I? There's no reason to think this, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until afterwards that I realized that the trauma that I was exposed to, even though it was not things that were happening to me, was changing my view of the world. Mm. When I woke up mm. in the morning at that point, I would open the newspaper to see if anybody I knew had gotten killed. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was a very neutral event, right? You're in the park and yeah. then these people or kids, they're not doing anything that looks dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. And you have this sort of panic. Was it a panic attack or just sort of a panic you response? Know, it, yeah, it wasn't like a full-blown panic attack, but it was very panicky. I mean, I didn't know what to do. Oh my God. <laughs> because instead of feeling safe, things had shifted for me and there was this possibility of danger Mm -hmm. and that i imagine was something new yes for you and you were looking at the paper who died and sort of this over almost overwhelming sense of as you said being unsafe and i'm wondering so how did how did you react to that you're a therapist at this time and i guess you were curious what is this i was really and so as i began to look at the, the things that were going on with me i was having more trouble letting go of my clients' stories. I was waking up 2 and 3 a.m., really worried about what was happening to other people um, and just not able to let go of that. And so at some point I realized, oh, these are like symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> this is These are things to look for that suggest that burnout may be happening. Um, and, and burnout and... Something else in your bio is that, and you, we talked about this. Is I'd love to hear a little bit more of secondary trauma. Right. I'm not super familiar with it. I always just thought when you're, let's say, a therapist or um, or a physician, you know, you absorb those energies. But what you're saying is a little bit different. Like, no, this is also a trauma. Yes. And so back when I was a young therapist, people, this was not something we talked about. Mm-hmm. Our understanding of how trauma works has grown exponentially since Mm -hmm. the mid-90s. And secondary trauma is really just what it sounds like. It's when somebody that you know, somebody that you care about, or somebody that you feel connected with in some way experiences a trauma, and you witness it or you hear about it. Um, Yeah. It affects you in the same type of way that a trauma to yourself does. It's that empathic kind of response. Um, And, uh, you know, obviously it's not just like it was happening to you. And yet emotionally and physically, we can have the same responses. Yeah, I find, I think I told you, I find myself, if I'm driving, you know, I'm I'm an attorney. If I find myself even having a sip of wine and driving down the road, it's like, I'm going to get a DUI or something bad's going to happen. Or these stories that I hear from my clients are going to happen to me. And I always saw, oh, this is just an occupational hazard. Because when you're sort of surrounded by this all day long, 
you sort of get anxious is going to happen to you. But I never saw that until you and I met. It's like, well, maybe no, maybe it's actually a trauma. It was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And in a, it, and so the things that change when you're experiencing secondhand trauma or secondary trauma, mm -hmm. your worldview may change. Yes. And so you shift from, in my case, the world is a pr pretty safe place, mm -hmm. right? To the world is kind of dangerous and bad things can happen at any time. Absolutely. Um, for you, it sounds like there's a shift between, you know, having a glass of wine at dinner is not really a big deal to, oh, my God, people go to jail for this. Right. Right. It, it, no, it totally resonates. It, I, I, thinking back to when, you know, before I became an attorney, yeah, like it does change your worldview, how you think. And particularly when you're practicing it, whatever it is, I know you deal with all kinds of professionals, you these people are coming for help. So you're hearing probably the worst of the worst in whatever it is you do, whether you're a physician or a dentist right. or a therapist, like you're not getting, I mean, I guess dentists get people with good teeth, but, <laughs> but you're probably also getting the worst, you know, the people who haven't brushed in 10 years or whatever. Right. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know if dentists suffer trauma, but the first thing that came to my mind. Dentists um, have a really high suicide rate. They do. They do. What is that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so do lawyers. <laughs> right. It's not funny. I don't right. Know no. And I, and I wonder, and I don't know, but I wonder if some of that is that there is this tremendous emotional um, impact of the work you do, you know? And maybe uh, yeah. when you don't know what to do with those emotions or understand why you're feeling the things you feel, I always just thought it was maybe just not a good fit. It's like, oh, if I'm experiencing this, maybe it's not a good fit. But but I think, as you're saying, it's it's more to it. Um, can you, so besides this sense of feeling unsafe and your worldview maybe changing, um, can you give, and are we talking about burnout, secondary trauma, or, or both? When so what I... What I really focus on is people who are experiencing, who experience secondhand trauma, mm -hmm. which affects us, right? And I want to pause just a minute because right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. We are. And so we are all experiencing some level of trauma. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. Just kind of put that on the back burner. Yeah, and I don't right? think we're full. I don't, at least I don't think I am fully processing it, you know, because we're in the middle of it. Right. And you don't pop process the trauma when you're in the middle of it. Exactly. Because you focus on surviving. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's the head. But um, so so the people that I work with typically have some kind of secondary trauma, whether it's firefighters or, you know, the whole the, there's a very long list. Yeah. Teachers. Definitely. And so on. Um in connection with that, often there is an element of not having the resources to meet the needs of the people that you're working with and who you grow to care about. Right? And, we're not, and we're not talking about financial resources. We're talking no. about emotional, maybe energy. Yep. Who knows? It could be also be financial, right? If you're mm -hmm. a social worker and your job is to help people keep their housing, right? 
mm-hmm. then limited financial resources in terms of funding make that super difficult. Oh, that, right. Mm-hmm. And so then you have this slew of people coming to you wanting help and you're saying, you know, I'm sorry, you have to wait until next month right. or next funding period. There's only and limited whole, resources. Yeah. Right. So it can be all kinds of things. And so when you put those things together, mm-hmm. right, then you are at risk of burnout. So can, what are some, you mentioned feeling unsafe and maybe a panic response, any other signs and symptoms that seem. Difficulty sleeping, difficulty mm-hmm. concentrating, um, lack of interest in things you used to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also th- think I was, I was reading a little bit about it um, before we, before we connected, mm-hmm. like not having like your compassion for other people is almost diminished too. It's kind of, it's, um, you know, this idea, uh, sort of phoning it in, I don't care, not feeling your best self, but also sort of not being as empathetic or compassionate as maybe you once were. And that one resonated with me because I think I get very, when I'm burnt out, kind of, kind of, kind of contempt for a lot of things. Right. Which is which I don't want to be, but it's, it happens. Which is really a defense mm-hmm. against the pain, right? Yes. Of having to deal with whatever it is that's make that's that hurts. Right. And so, for example, if you're somebody that helps people with housing, and you don't have, there aren't enough resources to help them, and you're having to turn people away, it is much more difficult to sit with the idea that these are people that really need help and I don't have it for them. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't help them. Whereas if you're able to say to yourself, well, they should have thought about this last month and applied sooner. Right. Or exactly. They should have kept that, you know, if you can make it their fault. Yeah. That's so interesting. So you don't have to feel the feelings you're, yeah, yeah you're disconnecting or disassociating from your own feelings and kind of projecting onto them. That's fair. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's probably one of the other thing we do is just numb ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you can do that in like 800 different ways. Yeah, well, there, there, there are many ways to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah so that, so the, someone, is, do you find, is there a particular um, profession that, I mean, it sounds like you've sort of run the gamut. Um, <laughs> yeah. But is there one that you see more of than the other? Or, or is it kind of, you just said firefighters, so, therapists? You know. So what happens is, which is interesting, often the people that could most benefit from mm-hmm. doing this work don't realize they need to do it until they've kind of crashed. Yeah. Now that's changing, I think. I'm seeing a lot more awareness from people. Um And in fact, we've gone from talking about, oh, you need self-care, right? Which is kind of the the immediate response. Just going to mention that, yeah. To that, to now self-care has become like a buzzword. And you're like, self-care, ugh, what are you talking about? A buzzword, kind of cliche, you know, a lot of eye rolling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's already run the gamut Um, when actually self-care is essential, but not sufficient. Right. You can go to the yoga class or do your jog or whatever you do, but if there's trauma, 
something goes runs a little deeper than than your 30 minute run i would think you, you really yeah, need... there are all kinds of things you need to do mm-hmm. you need to build a foundation for yourself to stand on well let's talk about that so what are the some of the things that you help people how you help them so first of all you do have to have self-care mm-hmm. and that there are a couple of types of self-care there's what we can think of as self-soothing which is those things that make us feel better in the moment. That's the bubble baths, pedicure, you know, massages, all of the massages can also be therapeutic, but those are the things that make you feel better in the moment. And I like that distinction because the soothing versus yeah, self-care. Then the next level of self-care really is exercise and eating right and sleeping right. And that's a lot of, um, sort of boundary setting for yourself. And so you can think of that in terms of asking yourself, what do I really need to be okay? Like not what do I want, but like what is really going to take care of me? And what so is going it, What is going to serve me rather yes. than, you know, I mean, you could drink some wine, it'll make you feel better, but what's actually going to serve me right. in the long run? Exactly. Exactly. And then the second layer of that really is community care. And Mm -hmm. so you also need a network of support. You need people that will be there to listen to you. And you also need people that are going to be able to point out to you when you're off track. Yeah. And so somebody that can say, you know, the way you're talking about that client sounds like you don't even like them. That's not like you. Mm -hmm. What's going on, David? Tell me, you know. What's up yeah. with that? And which, which, uh, another one of the challenges sometimes of the pandemic is, you know, I have friends who are single and live alone and staring at the walls. It's very challenging. So, yeah. the, especially, you know, the connections, sort of a, a big problem. The pandemic makes all of this more difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, um, then there is really um, an organiz- looking at organizations. Because often what happens is somebody will let's say, you know, I really want to feel better. I want to, I want to take care of myself so I can do this, right? And then the people they work for, the systems they work within, set up real barriers yeah. to them being able to do that. Yeah, we're not a big uh, self-care. I mean, I know self-care is sort of big on Instagram, but as far as our workplaces and our culture, there's this attitude of, nope, you know, keep, keep on pushing. And so that's part of what also needs to happen is people come together and begin to understand that we have got to support each other through this, that people have got to have good childcare if they're going to work. That's part of being able to do your job is knowing that your kids are okay. Right organizations are going to have to adapt so that we're able to do the things that make this work. And And so we have to push for that. Probably have a more productive, happy worker in the long run. Absolutely. I mean, someone, someone who's coming to work revitalize is going to be, I think a more productive person, happy person, healthier person, more impactful to the organization. Yep. But it's a struggle. Yep. And then finally, we have to change whole systems. I mean, Mm -hmm. racism, 
misogyny, those kinds of things are really ongoing traumas that individuals can't fix. There is not anything you or I can do today that will make racism go away. No, and I'm I'm glad it's uh, become to the forefront. I right. think it's, I think it's really important. And right, um, unfortunately, as you said, some of these things, whether it's individual or collective, require hitting bottom or a crisis. Yep. Or there's no change. But I rather I rather I'd rather there be hitting bottom and a change than nothing. Yes. Oh, absolutely. If that's what it takes to get mm-hmm. us there, then here we are. Um, I feel like there's a shift in how people imagine that the world can be, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I know there has been for me, for many years, I just took it for granted that the way things are is the way they are. Right. No, I I think we need to step up our imagination. Yep. Say, yeah, you know, we can, we can do better than this. We can imagine a better world and then. First, we visualize it and then make it make it so. And so looking at it from the macro level like that, what happens is you can begin to figure out how you can contribute to that. Mm-hmm. And doing that then adds meaning and purpose to your life and to your work. And yeah. that's another essential element. If you're doing work that you don't think matters, if you don't think you're making a difference, Mm-hmm. then you're not going to be very happy with it and you're probably not going to do a great job. Yeah, no, that's very important. Having Waking up with a purpose rather than waking up, what am I doing? And right. it's rather than being deflated, and a lot of us are deflated with, with the world, with our jobs. Yep. Um, so what strategies, like someone comes to your office as a for therapy client or a coach and they say, man, I'm just not myself. My low energy, kind of not loving my job, sad about the world. I feel unsafe. I feel panicked. Um, and maybe they have a job like you're talking about. Right. Um, maybe they're therapists. It's like, this is just too much for me. But yeah. What do, what do I, where do I start? So, because I only do coaching at this point, okay? Okay. Um, essentially, I start with values clarification, right? Excellent, yeah. What's important to you? Because that, I honestly believe, is at the heart right. of everything we do. If you're not, if you don't know what your values are, and if you're not living in alignment with them, yeah. then things are just not going to feel right. They're not going to be okay. And it's like a map. Okay. Like here's what I value. And this is going to guide decision A, B, and C. Is it in alignment? Is if it's not, well, there's an indicator there. You're you're not following the map of of essentially your soul or who you are. And so you have to figure out what you're going to do about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can be stuck in a situation where you can't change what's around you, but then how do I change how I approach it? How do I, you know, you can always control your own reaction, your own response to it. Right. So if you start with values, Mm -hmm. if you begin to look at how you want to show up in the world and then what, what, what ways 
Can you do that? That's one piece of it. The other piece of it is, what do I need? Mm-hmm. What do I need to add to my life? Yes. That will support what I'm doing. And I think I was just maybe think of, and how, once I know, right, how do I ask for those needs? Yeah. Because I know as a dad, the Authentic Dad podcast, you know, we have, um, mm-hmm. have a wife, I have kids, and sometimes they, um, they really need me. They're, I have little kids. Yeah. And that's cool. And that's great. But there are other times when I really have to step in and sort of set a boundary or a context in my own home and say, look, appreciate what you're saying right now. I need, you know, half an hour, an hour to do, you know, a walk, a nap, whatever. And then after I do that, I'd be happy to do what you're asking for. And I think a lot of us don't have this, at least I used to not have the skills or the language to um, ask for what I need and, and set those contexts and boundaries I've learned along the way. And it's really powerful because then yep. you say, okay, you know, they, it shows that they, you set a little boundary and they usually respect it. And then and there's a, there's an expiration date, all right, in an hour, then we're going to do, do what I want. I think sometimes that's an overlooked aspect of people say, yeah, I, I know I have to have self-care and I have to do this and do this and this, but, but I can't, I'm too busy or I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Right. And I think that in and of itself is a skill. Yeah, absolutely. And so that may be what people need coaching around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what boundaries can I set? Do I want to set? And how do I communicate that in ways that don't crush the people, you know, that yeah. are respectful of the people around me? Yeah, because you don't want to scream at your kids mm-hmm. or resent them or your partner. And I, I think it could easily get that way, you yep. know, for a lot of people, especially now. Definitely. Mm. So I just finished taking a uh, taking the teacher training in mindful self compassion, awesome. which has been oh, it's been wonderful. Is, is yeah. that Neff, Kristen? Neff? Yes. Oh, yeah. she's one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I think adding that to my practice mm-hmm. has been, and I've been using it for a while, um, but I think really taking that perspective. Because with self-compassion, we often think of that as the warm, nurturing, feel-good yeah. thing, right? But there is also the yang of self-compassion, mm-hmm. which is where you learn to provide, protect, and motivate yourself. Like that, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think and, most of us just think, well, I think it was just the way I'm talking to myself. Because it seems sort of universal that we're all, most of us are very unkind in the way we internally speak. And it's like, wow, give yourself a break. Right. Me talking to myself too. Yeah. Yeah. But I love to tell me more about the Yang. So it is not just validating and affirming yourself, although that has to happen. Right. But in addition to that, you can't just say a compassionate mother doesn't say to her child, yes, go ahead. You can have ice cream all day long. Right. Right. No, they say, no, eat your vegetables first, then you can have ice cream. Yeah. In that same way, you have to be able to, sometimes it's protecting your space. Mm-hmm. Like with boundaries, you have to be able to say no. If you yeah. want to be present for your children, then you also have to be able to be not present for them. Right. Compassion doesn't to- mean um, saying yes to everything, doing everything everybody else right. wants. That's just a mess. Right. And so then you also have to figure out what you need to provide yourself or what aspect of yourself you need to protect 
in order to be able to do the things you really want to do. How to motivate yourself like a good coach would. Like for you, were there any, when you were going through the incident in the park, was there any particular, um, it sounds like Neff, Kristen, Kristen Neff, K-R-I-S-T-N, right. I've mentioned her many times. I should put her in the show notes. She's amazing. She, uh-huh. you know, did research on self-compassion for people who don't know about her. Basically, took this Buddhist concept of and and did psychological research on it. Love her stuff. Um, any other like practices that you personally would recommend? Let's say I, I've been doing qigong. Oh, and, I love I, that. It's, yep. it's it's incredible. Yep. Um, do you do anything like yoga or anything like that? So all many of those physical things mm-hmm. that have become more popular, whether it's Tai Chi or Qigong or yoga, any of the things that help you be more present in your body, yep. more aware of what your body's doing, what you're feeling and what's going on with you, any of those. You can move into things like the finger tapping. Oh, yeah. EFT. Mm-hmm. EFT. Yep. Um Really, even EMDR, although that's therapist-mediated, mm-hmm. yeah, there is a similar physical component to it, and then it b- begins to bring in the mental thing, mm-hmm. because you have to, just like stress affects us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, all four of those aspects need to be touched in order for us to really be okay. And I think I think sometimes the challenge is like also f- doing it, but also finding the one that works for you, right? Like some yep. people love sitting meditation, some people hate it. Yep. Some people hate yoga. Some people, it's a, from it. Very new thing I've really found. I just do like these YouTube videos of the qigong. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's so simple. Yep. It doesn't take very long, and I'm like all this energy. So yeah. I, I hope it. I hope it sticks. I, I tend to kind of move in and out of things. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really hoping, I'm gonna probably do it after our conversation. I'm, really ho- <laughs> I'm hoping it sticks. Yeah. What What about, um, any besides Kristen Neff, any other authors, books, teachers oh, that so you love? Oh, there's so many. Brene so many, Brown, right? uh, Glennon Doyle. Say Brene, uh, Brene Brown, awesome, yeah. I love Brene Brown. She's got a great podcast. Uh-huh. She just, it's pretty new, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, her podcast is new, but I've been, Sharon yeah. Brene Brown TED Pop Talks yep. forever. Uh, she was life-changing for me. Let That's me think, wonderful. who else do I love? God, there are so many. I mean, I, I've done dialectical behavior therapy. And mm-hmm. so all of that Lenahan stuff, right? Uh, the self-soothing, distress tolerance. She's big on mindfulness. Any of the mindfulness. Pema Chandran. Oh, oh yeah. gosh, I could go on for days. Oh, um, yeah. We've mentioned yeah. her on here, too. Yeah, and it's an exciting time we're living in because so much of this is new or had of, been not recognized. And it's all available by like a click of a button. There's a yep. million YouTube videos and Audible and po- it's in, it's a little overwhelming for someone like me who's just so into, what is that? What is that? What is that? I never heard of that. Oh, I didn't read that one. <laughs> no, no. It's like a li- I'm a little bit of a junkie. So yeah, it's easy trying to, to do trying that. to temper that down a little bit. Right. But I think what's important, it's like you were saying with Qigong, you hope it sticks. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, Mm -hmm. then you'll look for something else. Yeah. And that's, that's the part of it that I don't know if people are, are, 
I wasn't happy when I realized it. But the reality is you don't ever get to that point of, okay, now I've got my stuff in place and I just do it because it doesn't work like that. I always used to think it did. And as I get older, I'm like, oh, no, you got to wake up every morning and do the work. I just thought like when when I get to this place, it is butter. (laughs) It was like, it's going to be so. And I'm like, oh, no. It yeah. just gets you, you just you got to wake up and do the work every single day. And yeah. then it's just like an onion. And then you discover new things. And right. just I mean, it's uh, with everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is what life is. Yeah. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong. No. That's just how it is. And if you're lucky, you you are able to enjoy that a lot of the time. And as you said, presence is important, enjoying it moment to moment, not Mm -hmm. tomorrow or 10 years from now. And that's, that's very hard because we have these devices and we're constantly swiping through them. And there's so, and we just want to be none. A lot of people don't want to be where they are. They want to be somewhere else. And sometimes what's more important is the thing on the the screen in front of them than what's right in front. I, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that too. And sure. there's so many things that we're up against to, to, to be in the moment because so many bright, shiny things on our screens. There are. And the reality is that joy lives in the moment. Yes. That is the only place you can find joy. Yes. Which, which, which they've been saying for millennium and we've all been, ah, whatever. <laughs> we just learned it over and over again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so it, what happened with me, it was actually pretty recent, like when I was re- sort of, you know, I was off for a while because the pandemic, mm-hmm. then kind of reintegrating back into my work life. And it was a little bit of a hard reintegration back into life. It's like, what is this? Getting up yeah. early, putting on a suit. One day I came home and it felt like all of my energy and my soul was like literally sucked out of me. Mm. <laughs> now that's pretty rough language, but I was like, I don't know, like I was just nothing left. I said, yeah. I, I have to do something. And I exercise, but it doesn't really, um, it's sort of like an energetic thing. Mm-hmm. I needed something to kind of like, ha- I just felt like so depleted. And so I was just like, all right, let me try the Chico. People have mentioned it. And I all of a sudden I just started doing it day after day after day. And it made, and never, I haven't had that feeling since. Some nice. it's, there's something about it. I mean, it's ancient. Yep. And and you know, like I said, it might not work for everybody. It's just important to find the one that works for you. Obviously, it's an exercise, and there's a mental component. But there was there's something energetic about moving your. It's something in the body. There is. And so I'm just very grateful, and I'm gonna keep on doing it. So I just. I would encourage anyone, don't give up. Find the thing that works for you, um, the healthy thing, of course. Right. Yeah. And so that's part of what I do with my clients as mm-hmm. well. It's just help them figure out what do I need to add to my life? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do that I'm not doing now? What do I need to stop doing that doesn't serve me? And if your life is crazy, start with two minutes. Like just do it one minute. Two. Yep. I used to have fall into that trap. I was like, well, if I can't do it for an hour... And yeah. I'm not doing it. It's like, no, you can do it for two minutes and then two more minutes. And then maybe tomorrow, five minutes or whatever it is. A little, a, just building it into the life is, you know, winning, winning the war, not, not having to do it for an hour. Cause yep. I'm sure when you deal with the 
compassionate professionals busy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't have time for that. I have too many people who need me kind of thing. Yep. And the reality, of course, is if you don't take care of yourself, you can't yeah. take care of anybody else in the long run. And put on your oxygen mask first. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about the firefighters. God, that must mm -hmm. be really difficult. A lot of these jobs are so difficult and, but so important. Yeah. Any, any a physician, any kind of physician, but one, let's say, who does oncology. Gosh. Right. I mean, that must be pediatrics. Sure. Yeah. Seeing, seeing sick children. Yeah. Let's just yeah, name all so of the hard. There's so many, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just name all of them. <laughs> and thank goodness for all the compassionate people that are willing to do that work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like a veteran who saw combat. Gosh, talk about trauma. Totally. That's totally. Cool. Yeah. So what do you um like? What do you think drives you to do do this work? Is, is like why? Well, it's so important. Because if if the people who want to do this work mm -hmm. don't have the support they need to do it, yep. then they won't be able to. And so at this point in my life, I, I just I feel like it's time for me to contribute at that level, mm -hmm. you know, to help other people be able to make a difference in the world. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, this is going to sound a little cheesy, but you, the, the heroes need the, the help too, or the they do the safety net or the, yeah, who's going to take care of them. Right, exactly. And that was part of, you know, my thought process, really. Mr. Rogers has that great quote uh -huh. um, about his mother always told him when bad things happen, look for the helpers, oh, yeah. all his helpers. But who takes care of the helpers? Who helps who takes the helpers? Care of the helpers? Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad we live, although as you were talking about the structures and the culture and still needs a lot to change, but it, there's so much more awareness, I would imagine. Yes. Like, uh, you know, I'm sure in the 50s or 60s, uh, there wasn't all this support and awareness and self-care and all of these therapies and technologies. And, you yeah. know, I'm sure there was yoga, but look at yoga now. It's, hu <laughs> I mean, it's huge, right? Yeah. And that, yeah. I think it's a good thing. Oh, I do too. I think it's wonderful. I think our awareness of what we need as humans is. Yeah, no, yeah. I was just, I was overhearing my daughter was on a Zoom for her school. I, was the, I guess the guidance counselor was meeting with the class and I was overhearing the guidance counselor meditating with the kids mm -hmm. and do, or doing this mindfulness exercise. And it just brought such a huge smile on my face. That yeah. never happened when I was a kid. No. And that is so great. It gives me so much hope that, that yeah. our kids are learning mindfulness in fourth grade. Fantastic. It is. It is. Um, before we end, is there anything else? Well, first of all, can we get your website or how can people find you? If Absolutely. My website is Fausta's Place to Ponder. Ooh. Yeah. F-A-U-S-T-A. Fausta's. Uh -huh. An S. S. Place to and Ponder. Place to Ponder. Yeah. Beautiful. And and you're coaching people, I guess, via Zoom? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Zoom or phone. Zoom or phone, yeah. Either. Sometimes I like phone. Yeah. Um, anything else that 
we should end with that's important i don't want you to feel like we missed anything because i think it's a huge i think it's a huge topic we could talk for five more hours oh totally yeah and i could yeah (laughs) um Um, yeah there's a new book emily nagowski i don't know if you've heard of her she just mm -hmm. wrote a book called burnout i'd love to i haven't read it i'm gonna read that one yeah i haven't either but i'd like to i'm still reading my grandmother's hands which is about intergenerational oh, trauma. And so that's a whole nother fascinating. Yes. Our understanding of that is like, oh, exponentially blown yep. up again. Passing yeah. it down, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not going to sidetrack us. I guess really the, the, the one of the most important things I can say really is that we have a tendency in our culture to think of people as either giving help or needing help. Mm-hmm. And that's a false dichotomy. Giving help or needing, right. We all need help. Mm -hmm. And we're also all capable of giving help. Yeah, I like that. And so beginning to break that down. You're not uh, not on one side or the other. We're all in this together. You you, everyone need. That's very interesting. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for the work that you do. And, um, it, it brought a really new f- a facet of awareness for me. I'm gonna, I wanna, I'd love to, I want to learn more about like the secondary trauma. I think that is something that term I'd never heard and I never yeah. sort of seen it that way. So it brought a totally new frame and hopefully people who are helpers and are struggling or suffering, this kind of brings some light onto right. that. Right. And um, can actually take the cliche of self-care to heart and, and actually do it and take it really seriously. It's not just about bubble baths are great, but it's more than that. Yeah, so definitely. Hopefully, hopefully definitely. we can inspire some people to, to, to take, to make this a priority. Right. Right. So they don't, uh, they don't crash and burn. Yeah. So thanks for everything. And um, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And you yeah. too. Thanks so much. Take care. And there you have it. My conversation with Fausta Lucini. Really good one. I know I say that a lot, but that was a really good one. I really got a lot out of it. And burnout and secondary trauma is one of those things I think so many of us are dealing with. Maybe we don't have the language for it. Maybe we don't have the awareness for it, but it is real, especially if you are in one of those helping professions, although I think it could probably be in almost any profession. So thanks again for listening. Appreciate it. And please consider giving a five-star review. It does help people find it. Um, Take care and see you next time.